You're listening to Real Talk for Real Men, episode number 43. Welcome to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast. Lifestyle advice for men so powerful, you'll want to run your life on it. And now your hosts, Guy Mullen and Chris Field. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Real Talk for Real Men. I'm Guy Mullen. And I'm Chris Field. And Chris, we're, today we're doing a topic that I've been wanting to do for well over a year, and we've found, finally found, I think, perhaps the ideal person to introduce this topic. I think we're going to dive into some deep water today, and I hope people are ready to tune in and uh, listen to something that should be really inspiring. I think this is, this is a topic that we, us men, we all need to address at some point in our lives. It's, uh, you know, the... The uh, there are, there are three ways that, that typically us men are brought down: the um, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, and uh, and the lust of the eyes. I thought it was girls' golden glory. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the modern translation. Now you do read a different version of the Bible to what I do. Uh, but uh, and today we've got someone from uh, Kingdom Works in the USA who is working in the area of helping men to break free from pornography addiction. Welcome to the show, Luke. G'day, guys. Thanks for having me on the program. It's great to be here. That's, it's great to have you, Luke. Luke Gibbons uh, is working at, uh, at Kingdom Works. They're the producers of the, and distributors of the, the Conquer series. And uh, today we're very privileged to have Luke calling in from Florida. And uh, he's gonna, we're going to start today with going over his story, how he came to be involved in Kingdom Works and the before and after. And the first clue is right there in his accent, because even though he's in Florida, I can hear an Aussie on the end of the line. <laughs> we seem to be able to that's find true. Aussies exactly wherever right. they are in the world. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, Luke. Absolutely. So, Luke, let's, um, let's start at the beginning. So, uh, you've told us offline that, uh, that you were in deep with, um, with, a, with an addiction to, uh, to, to pornography. Can you start with us and tell us where that started? Yeah, absolutely. Look, for me, and, and I, I guess for a lot of guys, it starts in, in the early years uh, between the age of, you know, 9 and, and 12. That's when a lot of guys get exposed to pornography. The average age of exposure is 11. For me, it was about that age as well. And uh, for me, it was seeing a, a magazine. I remember a friend said, oh, come over. There's a magazine I found in my dad's closet. So he saw that and, and looked at that and but that was kind of the first exposure and I didn't really get addicted at that point in time, but I just remember being intrigued by it and not really knowing what to do with that. And then as uh, time went on, we got the internet at my house. Um, and as a teenager, I found places online and uh, started to, to view pornography online. Um, and then from there, it kind of spiraled out of control and, and I would go into chat rooms and that kind of stuff. And, so my addiction became um, seeking people out online and then viewing pornography, and, and that was a cycle that stuck with me for years. Into my 20s, I, I moved uh, away from home and moved to Melbourne, went to university and, and thought, I'm going to get a new computer, I'm going to have a clean machine, I'm never going to view pornography on this. Um, but it was only a matter of time before... I think it was two weeks before I started viewing pornography again. Meanwhile, I was growing in my faith and I was learning all about my relationship with God, but I had this secret that I couldn't tell anyone about and I just felt this deep sense of shame um, that continued to spiral in there. 
let's just cutting in there that you talk about a deep sense of shame. You must have felt something like a contradiction then, a growing faith and this persistent problem that you would have felt ashamed of. So how did you actually deal with that tension? Yeah, it was, it was something that was really tough. Like I remember every week I would pray, like after I'd act out um, view pornography, I would I'd feel this deep sense of shame and be like, oh God, I don't want to do this again. I never want to go back here. But then a couple of days later, a week later, I'd be right back there again. And so there was this cycle that I just couldn't seem to break out of and I didn't know what was wrong with me. And I was praying, I was spending time in God's word and I was like, surely like this is what I'm meant to do. This is how I'm meant to break free from this. But all the while, God was sort of talking to me in my heart and saying, you need to open up and talk to someone about this. And I hadn't really read James chapter 5 at that point in time or really absorbed it at least, where it says, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. And and so it was a, a while before I, God actually really prompted me to open up to my friends and, and really get help. And so... I remember one night I was just um, after viewing pornography. I think I'd missed a friend's birthday party or something. And I just felt this desperate sense of what is happening. Like I'm wasting my, my life away. Um, like I was going to work some days on an hour's sleep. And so I felt this desperation and I started searching online for something that I could use. And so I started a course online um, and then that course kind of suggested that I should start opening up to my friends and talking to them about it. But it was a good probably uh, six to 12 months before I actually got the courage to open up to a friend and say, look, this is something I'm struggling with. And he went away and did some research and he and another friend came back to me and said, look, we think you should go to rehab. And I was like, Ooh, that's a big deal. And then they told me how much it was going to cost. And I'm like, Ooh, that's a really big deal. Um, but I was ready. I was ready to find help, and so okay. I knew I needed to take that step. Let's backtrack then, yeah. because you've covered probably what a decade of your life and a probably whole bunch of decades. things. Yeah. So let's yeah, just go absolutely. back. I'm interested. You said you were exposed at a young boy to your friend's uh, pornography material that he got out of his dad's cupboard, and then yeah. there was that didn't immediately get you hooked, but it obviously was unresolved inside you. Can you remember back to how you even thought to go online and look for pornography way back in those early days? Yeah, I think it for me it was a number of uh, like exposures to it. So it was, uh, I, I remember being sent images in chat rooms and that kind of stuff. Um, and so it was kind of like just gradual things that led me there. And then I would I would start to search for it and seek it out. But in the beginning, I don't think it was something that I really searched for. It was something that um, people would send to me, and I, I was kind of naive as a young person, and then I, I began to learn more about it as I got more and more into that, and sort of fantasy began to take hold, and, and then I would start to seek it out more. And it became a way for me to escape, really. It wasn't, um, it wasn't healthy at all. It was something that I used to medicate loneliness. And what were you dealing with? You said loneliness there. Uh, other, other sort of personal emotional issues? Yeah, I think uh, loneliness was a big one for me. Um, even for a lot of guys I talk to today, I know that boredom is a big one, and I think that was a big one for me as well. Um, and then I had struggled with eczema and that kind of stuff, so there were some self-image problems there. So just some underlying stuff that I had no idea was related to viewing pornography back then, but now in hindsight I can see that those issues had a play in it. So, so there is a vulnerability within some people, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. A lot of guys struggle with, with some level of vulnerability to this. And, and it's true that some guys just get hooked on it. But by and large, when we, when we talk to guys who struggle in this area, they've definitely got um, some kind of, of um, thing that they're medicating. And, and so we, we use pornography to medicate whatever the pain is that we have in our lives. Yeah, so it's um, yeah. I think you I think you're telling a pretty a pretty common story uh, in terms of how how it often starts. And so I'm curious, uh, Luke, as to, I guess initially when you first saw those magazines and you think, oh, this is this is fun, this is cool. Um, but then later on, obviously, it becomes a case of, well, this is wrong, um, and you start to feel guilt about it. How does mm. talk us through how that transition happens from it being something which seems to be okay and innocent and just a bit of fun to actually yeah. start making you feel you know, pretty rotten about yourself. Absolutely, yeah. I, I, like I said, I, um, I started to um, grow in my faith with God and I really wanted to, to learn more about who God was and seek him out. And so as I did that, I kind of felt this, this um, tag taking me in two different ways, like almost these two different personalities in a way. And so I, I really wrestled with that. Uh, and like I said before, I, I would pray and, and ask God to take it away from me and, and, and thought that it would be done every time that I acted out with pornography. I thought, I brought that to God. That's all I need to do. And then maybe a week later, I'd be right back there again, viewing pornography again. And I didn't realize that as well as it being a spiritual problem, it was also a brain problem that I was struggling with as well. So I had to tackle it both on a spiritual level, but also on a uh, brain level and understand how uh, pornography addiction takes place in the brain as well. We're going to get to that because I'd love you to explain a bit more about that. I, I guess as we go back to just understanding the hole that you were in, I can see you talking about just the addiction itself, but I heard you mention about it gobbling up a lot of your time. It must have eaten up a lot of your life. Yeah, absolutely. Like I remember missing uh, like times when I was going to meet with friends and always being late to things. Often on weekends, I would spend like whole Saturdays just, people thought I was just shut in my room, but I was in like seeking out pornography. I was up late. Sometimes I would stay up late all night and then go to work on an hour's sleep. And so be sitting at work half half asleep. And so you can imagine... I wasn't very productive. It was really starting to consume large chunks of my life. And, and I knew that that's not what God had for me. He had a, a plan for me and a purpose for me. But I wasn't able to realize that. I was I was really struggling uh, in, in my personal life. And nobody knew about it until I opened up to my friends. So did you feel like it was stronger than your will? Yeah, I think so. Like, I think part of part of it was that, I my will was split in two different ways. Like part of my will still wanted to go back to the pornography. And I went to, as I mentioned before, I went to rehab to break free from pornography. And, and something that the counselor said in that rehab, even though he wasn't a Christian, he said to me, Luke, you've got two gods that you're trying to serve. You've got the God of sex, and then the, you've got the other God that you want to serve. You have to decide which one is going to be your God. And I thought that was really powerful to hear yeah. that from someone who didn't really even have um, a, a Christian faith, but it hit me really hard, and it was something God used to really speak into my heart. Mm. And would you say then, I've I, I focused a bit on how much of your time got eaten up, 
but certainly a person will be a porn addict long before they're losing all Saturday watching porn. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. So, so pornography is detrimental on any level, whether you consider yourself addicted to it or not. It's it's having an effect on you. It's having an effect on your brain. It's having an effect on on if you're married. It's having an effect on your family. It also has an effect on the next generation. We know now that uh, addiction can be passed on through genetics as well. So that's uh, something that we're seeing a lot of guys really wanting to start to deal with this so they're not passing it on to their kids and to their grandkids. So someone listening to you now could sit back and say, oh, well, I'm not as bad as Luke was. Uh, What would you say to people like that? Yeah, I'd say that I probably would have thought that when I was first starting out in this as well, like when I first got into it, I thought, oh, it's not that bad yet. And, you know, it always takes you further than you want to go and makes you stay further than you want to stay. Uh, and and so you might think, well, I'm not there yet. But if you keep going down that road, uh, someday you will be. And it, it's the way that it pulls you in. But I think even even more than that, it's the way that it affects your relationship with, with others, the way that it affects your relationship with maybe your spouse the way that it affects your relationship with God uh, and the way that it just affects you with integrity as well. And so to be able to go and view it and then, and then try and, and live a life of integrity is really difficult. Like you have to start covering up things or you have to start lying about it. And, and that begins to build a real chasm in your life. And that's what I experienced. Even, even if it wasn't um, full on addiction, I would still have had to, lie about what I was doing or deleting stuff off the computer or trying to hide things. And that, that's what starts you down that path. So how did you feel turning up at church? Yeah, it was really difficult. And often uh, you, you might not be aware of this, but the day of highest porn consumption is actually Sunday. So a lot of, a lot of guys, uh, especially Christian guys, will struggle with it. They may view pornography late on a Saturday night, early Sunday morning, and then be feeling this intense amount of shame on Sundays when they go to church. And that was something that I struggled with. I would often be in prayer before going to church, feeling really, really almost, almost dirty when I was coming to God and saying, Lord, I just feel so broken and dirty inside. Lord, will you give me a grace? And I knew every time that God's grace was there for me, but it was something that I really wrestled with that, I couldn't break free from this. So I was, I was constantly praying and saying, God, please give me a way out of this because we know that he does promise that there is a way out. And so, there absolutely is. But, so what, um, what were the things that you tried that, uh, that didn't work or weren't the complete picture? So obviously you tried praying and asking God to take it away from you. What else did you try? You tried just your strength of your yeah, work? Yeah, I, it was it was a lot of willpower. So I tried and and, and thought I'm, I've got this. So I'm just going to grit it down and, and not not view it anymore. Uh, I think there were times when I installed things on my computer to try and prevent it, but then I find ways around them. Um, and you know, I tried making myself rules so so I wouldn't you know I wouldn't. Um, and none of those things were bad, but it just wasn't the complete picture of recovery yet. So I was trying all these little different things. And none none of it was working because I hadn't really taken that first step, which is what God was prompting me to do, which was open up to a friend and start to confess um, what I was struggling with. And that was prompted by you actually starting to look for help. So obviously you did take that initial 
step of I've got to find some advice and you found stuff online. So that was a good step. Yeah, I was avoiding trying to open up to a friend. Like I'd had friends who had opened up to me and and said, oh, you know, are you struggling with lust at the moment? I'm like, yeah, I'm struggling with lust, but I kept it vague. I didn't really go deep into the detail of what it was. And so it was... It wasn't until I got, got really specific and really started to open up about what it was and how pervasive it was in my life that uh, I really started to deal with the shame behind it and then it allowed my friends to be able to help me find the help that I needed. So your friends came along and said, we think the best thing for you is to actually go off to a, a rehab centre. That's a pretty drastic advice to suggest to somebody. Yeah, and look, I'll, I'll I'll say this: it was over a period of time, so you know they knew that I'd been trying to break free for quite some time. They knew that you know I was ready to do anything that it took that I could do to break free from it. So um, when they suggested that, I was even though I was like, "Oh, that's a big deal," it was something that I was ready for, and I I kind of had this sense that someday God wanted help me break free from this. Like I, I had been reading, like I said, I'd been reading books. I'd been looking for help online and that kind of stuff. And I knew that somehow God would take this and help me break free from it and then use it for his good. But I just didn't know how that would work. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so you then took this really drastic step. You actually went and um, attended this thing, cost you money, and obviously took a fair bit of time. Uh, how did you feel showing up at a rehab centre? Did you sort of, what, what in the world was going on inside you to even admit that you had to go there? Yeah, look, it was one of the hardest days of my life and probably one of the most transformational days of my life as well. My friends, we were li- I was living in Melbourne at the time, my friends drove me over to Adelaide uh, to go to the rehab facility and they dropped me off there and they prayed with me and got me settled in. But I remember walking in there and there was a guy with big tattoos on his shoulders and like uh, just a big guy. It looked like he'd gotten straight out of prison. And he's like, oh, you're in prison now, mate. And I was like, oh, what have I got myself into? <laughs> yeah. And so I, I just broke down crying several times that day. I called my parents to tell them where I was and, and broke down crying again. And, you know, it was, it was, it was pretty full on. Like they took all of, they took your wallet and your, your phone off you so you couldn't have any contact with the outside world. There was I remember seeing my friends drive away and there's a big iron gate and it's shut behind the car and it was very final as that gate shut. And I was like, oh, I'm here for six weeks now. You know, I'm, I'm, there's no leaving. Like, it's 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 time to really deal with this. So it, it was a, it was a hard day, but it was also a day where God brought me to my rock bottom and then began to build me back up from there. And it sounds like then their approach approach is very much a cold Turkey um, approach to just cut the thing off completely. But then they must've obviously had uh, material and things that they shared with you counseling that they provided to help you through that process. Yeah, it was a 12-step based uh, rehab facility. So we went through the 12 steps, which is what is used in Alcoholics Anonymous and, and many other 12-step programs out there. And that was really helpful. I think one of the biggest things was that I didn't have access to technology for that six weeks. So I, there was no way that I could act out. Um, and I kind of went through a withdrawal phase, which you don't really think about with pornography, but you do. You go through a withdrawal. Your brain is trying to get back 
to a healthy place because there's a lot of fantasy and your brain gets into a very unhealthy place when you're when you're addicted to pornography. And so there was it was it was surrendering a lot of those thoughts to God and and going through group therapy that was really heavy stuff and listening and hearing people who struggled with things like cocaine addiction and realizing that I was no different, realizing that there was a lot of similarities between my struggles. There were some differences. There were a lot of similarities with other addictions in that rehab. So it was, it was a, a real time of healing for me. And even though it wasn't a Christian rehab, it was a time when I had to lean into God and ask him for help. And I remember just going up to my room and, getting on my knees and spending time in his word and praying to him. And he would just remind me that he was my father and he loved me. And it was just this beautiful time of healing for me. So the, can I suggest then that your freedom really came as a, a two-pronged approach, the actual 12-step process you were going through, and then your, also your personal uh, journey with the Lord at the same time? Yeah, it was really multifaceted. Like it was, it was the journey with God, it was learning the 12 steps, which I believe if anyone really approaches them, honestly, it's, it's a discipleship program. If you approach it and you really look at it, it's look, it, it would lead you to Jesus if you really honestly did those 12 steps. And so as you go through it, as you, uh, and then I, I was learning things like being healthy and exercising regularly and getting a good night's sleep, all those things that, we kind of know in the back of our mind that we don't really put into practice until someone's like, no, you need to put these into practice because they're going to help you break free from this. So all of those practical things and doing all of them at once was really healthy for me. And that gave me a chance to put those practices in place for when I got out of rehab and start walking forward into recovery. So tell us about that day. You, you've done your six weeks you shake someone's hand, you grab your gear again that you've walked in with and you go to the iron gate and they open it in front of you. What does that feel like? Yeah, it was incredible. I kind of, it was kind of scary in a way because I thought, what is going to happen? Am I going to fall back in? I don't want to. I've put so much work into this now. Um, I, I, I love where God is taking me on this. And so I, it was full of both anticipation, a little bit of fear, uh, but also so much looking forward to getting back to my friends and family because I'd missed them so much while I was away. And, and so it was, it was a little bit of fear as well because I was going back to my church. I'd written a letter to my church while I was in rehab explaining where I was and why I was there. And so that was a little bit daunting, but I knew that I'd received a whole lot of letters from people from the church with encouragement and support. And in those letters, I also read that I wasn't the only one struggling with this. Mm-hmm. And between the lines, I could see that there were other men who were struggling in this area. And so part of that was I knew that there was something that I needed to take back with me to share with other men and to help them break free too. So, so how were you different? Six weeks in, typically people would say, oh, well, you know, it takes upwards of 60-odd days to, uh, to break a habit. You're in there for, for six weeks. How were you different? Yeah, the thing I learned is actually a lot longer than 60 days. It's actually a two to five year journey with a miracle every day. It's what we say in the Conquer series. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's not something that's instant. Now, you can, break, you can break part of a habit in 60 days, but there's a, a lot of underlying junk that takes a long time to work through. 
So when I went into rehab, I, I had a couple of goals and I thought, you know, I'll just get these and then I'll be perfect. <laughs> but it's not that it's not that way. It's a constant journey of discipleship that God continues to point things out in our lives that we need to work on and then continue to, to work on new things as God reveals them to us as we walk forward into recovery. And so while I'm, I'm not someone who says that you're necessarily an addict forever, but you know that you've got a vulnerability there forever. And, and so from that, you, you, you know that you have to continue to, to bring that into the light, continue to share with others, continue to have discipleship and seek out God and ask for his help every single day. So it is an ongoing um, process, yep. Here's a question then. Um, at what point in that whole process did you actually begin to realize God was going to ask you to help other people? Yeah, like I said before, I, 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 I started writing a journal about 12 months before I went to rehab. And as I read back in that journal, there was one day where I read um, Psalm 51. And there's a part at the end of that psalm where it says um, something like, I'll teach transgressors your way. It's like it's something about taking that mm-hmm. forward to some other people. And I, I had written out the first part and left off the last part. And then the next day I read something that had the last part that I left off in that psalm, and I, I realized that God had something for me in that, that he wanted me to do something even before I had even realized that I needed to go to rehab or anything like that. And so that was kind of, in hindsight, I can see now that God was preparing me back then. Uh, and so when I got back from rehab, as I opened up to my friends and told them where I was for six weeks, people would start to tell me, they're like, well, it's something I have struggled with or I am currently struggling with. And I began to realize that I wasn't the only one. Most guys do think that they're the only one who struggles with this. But the truth is 68% of the men in the church today struggle with pornography. And so you can look left and look right on a Sunday morning and chances are either yourself or the person sitting next to you is struggling. And Mm. so I, I realized I needed to do something in this area to really um, take what I've learned and share it with others. But I wanted to take the clinical principles that I'd learned and marry them with the biblical principles that I knew to be true. And so I, I started to look for, for resources to help men in that area. Where did you start? What did you start doing? Yeah, so I, um, I started leading some, some programs at church with some of the guys. I got, I got groups of guys together because one of the things I felt like when I got back to church, I felt swamped because guys would come up to me and tell me their story, but I couldn't catch up with all these, all these guys who were coming up to me. I just didn't have enough time in the day. And so we, um, I was looking for courses to run at church and, and so started running the Valiant Man program. I also started to share my story pretty uh, openly. Uh, I was still in recovery programs, I should mention, at the same time. So I, I kept going to counselling and kept going to support groups for probably two years after I got back from rehab. Um, and then that's when I really started to launch into to helping others after I got through that first initial period. Can I just talk about that, what you just called the initial period? So what is a person in for in that more full recovery process. What what was God doing in you after you got out of rehab that still had to be done? 
Yeah, I, I think when I first got for, back from rehab, there was by no means was I like instantly arrived at a particular place where you know I, I was no longer an addict or something like that. It was, it was that I still had a lot of unhealthy habits and my brain was still very much in that addictive mindset. So even though I wasn't going to pornography, I was looking for ways to medicate. Um, and so being a part of a support group is really important because in those groups, you're making phone calls to other people every day. You're, you're being uh, in community where people are asking you and, and you're sharing where you're at on every particular day. So you are very aware of any temptation to act out. Uh, and so that's really important in recovery is to have that along the journey. Um, so I think for me, there were things like there were friendships that I needed to cut off that I, because I had a lot of online friendships in my addiction. So there were friendships that I needed to cut, cut off and I gradually learned about different friendships that I had to step back from or relationships that I had to step back from. Um, there were um, certain things that I needed to put in place to, to be careful and, and not go down uh, in addiction uh, circles. We talk about going down the old old pathways or old alleyways. Um, I had to be careful that I didn't go back down to the places where I would be triggered and go back to a, my addiction. And, and so those were the things that I was learning about in those two years. And, and so it was just really helpful to be in counseling and, and in connected in support groups in that time. Did you feel your internal thought processes changing? Did you feel the, the brain being renovated or recovered over time? Was there any way you could measure that or was it just happening in the background? It's something that I think is easier to see in hindsight. So it's not something that you see necessarily when you're in it because when you're an addict, you you think that you're you're already there. You think that you've arrived at a destination and and it's not until you, you keep moving forward and then you look back and you're like, oh man, I'm so grateful that God has brought me to where I am today and he's brought me out of that. And each, each day it's further into that journey of recovery. So it's not easy to feel when you're in it and that's why you have to be in support group because other people will help you point out those unhealthy behaviours and unhealthy thought patterns and yeah. then help you keep stepping forward. Well, now we're going to get toward the end of this chat. We're going to need to talk to you again, Luke, if you don't mind. We'll have another chat with you yeah, sometime no about more of the technical side of it. But just to sort of wrap up your journey, you began to travel sharing your story and somehow that morphed into you now working in this ministry that you're with right now. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was volunteering in Australia and we were running events for pastors and church leaders around Australia, helping educate them about pornography and that kind of thing. And I had the opportunity to come over to the U.S. a few times as well and, and meet with church leaders over here. And I was speaking at a conference over here in Florida and I came across the trailer for the Conquer series. And I thought, this is incredible. This looks like it, it has some really good teaching in it about pornography and helping men break free. When you say so trailer, to, Luke, when you say trailer, you're not talking about a caravan behind a car. You're talking about no, the yeah. video. Okay. Film the, trailer. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, so a film trailer. Chris is and, showing his age there. Yeah, yeah sorry, no man. worries. And so I, I uh, yeah, I reached out to the director uh, or the company that made it 
and it just so happened how God works, huh? That he his studio was based in the same city that I was going to be speaking at. And it wasn't a big city. So I, I was like, oh, there must be something to this. The fact that it's in exactly the same location as, as the uh, conference is. And so I reached out to him and he came out to the airport just as I was about to fly out and leave West Palm Beach and head up to Atlanta. And he gave me two copies of the DVDs to bring back to Australia. And I took the guys at church through it and I saw it have a, amazing impact on those men and one of the guys actually now leads the course um, one of the guys that I took through it and so that's kind of the testimony for what I saw when I took the guys through it and I went on a journey of um, of really looking for where God wanted me to go next I'd been working in in water conservation of all things in Australia but I knew God had something else for me and over time my job in Australia was finishing up and, and I was praying, God, where do you want me? He said, pack up your bags, get ready to go to America. So I did. I, I packed everything up. I got rid of all my stuff and um, booked a ticket to fly to America. And the week I was due to fly out, the director of that film studio contacted me and said he's got a position that he wanted to talk to me about. And so here I am today. Wow. With that very same film studio. That's amazing. And so give us a quick little thumbs up about the actual material that you have in the Conquer series. From your personal journey and your personal experience, you think this is a pretty top package. Yeah, I think one of the key things that it focuses in on is grace. Um, That is the first place to start for a guy who's struggling with pornography because, like I mentioned, I struggled with shame and and really the cure for shame is grace, knowing that God loves us even while we are still sinners. And that is the great truth. Mm. So that it begins there and then it, it doesn't just focus on on just the spiritual side of things, but it also brings in the brain science and, and uses biblical principles to really tie all of that together. I think that's what makes it really powerful because you're, you're learning about who we are, who we, who God created us to be but also the underlying behaviors that we develop and the underlying beliefs we have about ourselves that maybe Satan puts there to to make us feel um, that we aren't worthy. And then that begins to take us down a pathway of automatic negative thoughts. Uh, But what God has for us is some prophetic promises in his word, and he has some truth for us, which is we are beloved children of of God. Mm. We are chosen we're called by his name. And that's a beautiful truth to a guy who's struggled with pornography his whole life, that God would still love him and that he'd want to rescue him. He'd want to give his life to him and bring him back into the fold. It's a beautiful truth about the gospel. Absolutely. And it's, it's wonderful, Luke, that you've been able to come on our show and, and share the story about how you were rescued. But I think before we close, I, I rather feel for a bunch of people that might be listening here and feel a little sense of hope. Mm. Maybe we could pick up what Luke's just, just said and say, guys, while you are busy condemning yourself right now, Jesus mm. actually died for you in the middle of all of that sin. Is that right, Luke? Absolutely, yeah. He has, he has come to rescue us. He's not leaving us in our, in our mess, in our sin, but he, he is there ready to pull us out of it, and he loves us, even though we are still so the there is hope, guys. There is hope. And so, Luke, so Luke if, um, if 
if there's people listening to this, there's men listening to this who themselves are are in deep or feel that they're heading deep if they don't do something about about their, their pornography addiction, or they may perhaps they know somebody who is who is struggling. How do they reach out to you and to Kingdom Works and to find out more about this the series? Yeah, we've got a website called conquerseries.com. That's conquerseries.com, C-O-N-Q-U-E-R-S-E-R-I-E-S.com. Yep. And there's on that website, we actually have uh, people who can chat with you. If you go on, you know, it's, it's in Australia, it would be evening time. If you're in a, on it online in the evening, there'll be someone online to chat with you. And uh, on that website, you can also order the Conquer series. Uh, and uh, we've got a special coupon uh, today for people who are listening to the program. It's, oh, wow. It's, yeah, I believe it's Real Men 274, uh, all one word, Real Men 274, and that'll give them a 10%, 10% coupon on the website. Okay, so, all right, so, um, yeah, it probably would have been better if it was Real Men 24-7, but that's okay, that, that'll, that, that'll stop the robots getting it. So, yeah, and we'll put that in the show notes as well. That's, that's very good, very generous of you, Luke, for, um, for offering that to our listeners. Yeah, not a problem. Not a problem at all. Well, guys, just want to encourage you. Uh, we're here mm. to be real and appreciate Luke really being real with us today and telling us about a real journey. And it was a journey into some pretty uh, mucky stuff. But thank the Lord, there's a journey out of that as well. And we just trust that each one of you, in whatever situ- situation you're in, is able to journey out through the power of Christ. Isn't it, isn't it wonderful that no matter how deep you're in, whether what, any sort of addiction that you're in, that that there is a way out. That that Christ has, has died for it. He's nailed it to the cross, and it might not be an instant healing. There's time to work through it, but there is hope. And Luke, thank you for that story of hope that you've provided our listeners today. Yeah, not a problem. It's great to be on the program. Thanks for having me. Okay, everybody, and uh, so this this has been the start of. Uh, a few podcasts I think we're going to do on this topic. Well, if Luke, Luke sounds like solid gold. We've got to get him back on for sure. We, we will. And um, don't forget to, to come over to the website, check out the show notes, www.realmen247.org. And we will invite you back for our, our next episode. We'd love to have you. Thanks, guys. All yeah, the best. God bless. You then. Thanks, Luke. Really appreciate your work. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast at www.realmen247.org.